everybody. I'm uh, Brandon Moore. Uh, this is Coaching for Profit, another episode, and we are uh, so blessed to have uh, Mike Cavagioni. I said it perfectly uh, off off camera, but now I, I screw it up. So, um, <laughs> Mike, you have to say your name for everybody so that they can get it. And make sure I don't. No, you, uh, you got it. You got I did. it. Cavagioni. Right. Yep. Good deal. He's from originally from uh, Long Island, New York. He's living in Hawaii right now, living the dream. Uh, uh, <laughs> the almost retired from the Navy. Got a few more days, few more months. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm technically on my terminal leave right now, uh, right. but my actual retirement date is in December. So awesome. He's he started working as a realtor there. Uh, he's invested in real estate and. Uh, Oregon, Virginia, Texas, and Hawaii. Uh, he is the host of uh, one of the number one, uh, 1% rated uh, podcast, the Average Joe Finances podcast. It's uh, internationally ranked. He started that podcast to share with his guests on how to be, become financially independent, to beat debt, uh, to invest, and uh, just to, to help people on their journey. Uh, Mike, it's really great to have you on. Hey, Brandon, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. You know, this is a new podcast we just started. I'm, you know, as a CPA, financial advisor, real estate investor uh, with kids who are adults. <laughs> you can tell that by the gray hair, I'm sure, and my beard. Uh, I really wanted something that, that's going to speak to business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, but also uh, to really push people towards uh, financial independence. Uh, coaching for profit, you know, the, the name kind of pushes people in that entrepreneurial uh, vein, which I love. I love the idea of people starting businesses uh, and then using that cash flow from, from those businesses to invest in real estate or other alternative investments. Tell me about what's going on, what you see going on in the country uh, with young people in, in, and how they see financial independence and, and why they're listening to your podcast. Yeah, Brandon, that's great. Uh, you know, if you follow a lot of the social media trends, you know, there's a lot of flashy things that, that kind of grab your attention. But I think some of the things that grabs most people's attention is, hey, you can build your wealth. You can, you know, do this and get out of your nine to five, get out of the rat race and this and that. Sometimes it's like a little far-fetched. But sometimes you're going to find a creator that's actually putting out really good content and they're putting out actionable things that you can do to start building your wealth, right? And, you know, we're at a time right now where we're, we went through this, you know, pandemic over the last two years where we have found that, you know, you don't need to have uh, the standard uh, in the office, nine to five job to make things work. We see a lot of people saying, hey, I'm working from home now and we were able to work things out. And now as things are easing up and people are going back to work, a lot of companies, even some of the bigger ones like uh, Google and Amazon are allowing people to uh, stay working from home because they fi they're finding that more work is getting done. People are more pr uh, productive. There's a better work-life balance uh, in doing it this way. But also at the same time, it's, it's about retention. They don't want to lose some of those employees because a lot of other folks that are being told to return to the office are deciding to leave their jobs. And they're doing that because they're finding other side hustles or side businesses that they can do to not only replace or not only make a side hustle or like a side income, but completely replace 
their nine to five income. So you're seeing a lot of people coming up now as freelancers. Uh, you see a lot of people that that got, you know, there was already a, a large real estate uh, investing population and following, but you've seen that explode over the last two years now with more yeah. people getting interested in flipping homes or wholesaling and just different ways to kind of make a quick buck because that's that's the way you would make a quote unquote quick buck in real estate. But for the most part, people that invest in real estate for the long term, you know, those are the ones that are focused on building their wealth and building that generational wealth. But right now, what you're seeing is a lot of people doing the the quick hits and the quick fixes because this is what I want to do to kind of replace my income. And you've also seen an explosion in short-term rentals. Yes. Uh, that has been one of the biggest market growths that we've seen uh, in the real estate side because that is probably the the, the best way to create a... Uh, a job replacement income, right? Because you'll, you know, usually when you buy a short-term rental, you're going to cash flow enough to cover all your expenses and probably replace your job, uh, depending on, you know, uh, where you're working and how much your in or income you're trying to get. You know, one or two or three short-term rentals might actually get you covered uh, and completely cover your annual salary or or income that you're used to. So that's what we're starting to see a lot of. You know, there's a lot of. Um, there's been a change, I, I would say, in the standard American culture when it comes to family, when it comes to having that quality of life. So you have a lot of younger people that are either deciding, A, they don't want kids, right, because they they just want to go out and enjoy life. Or you have the other side where people do want kids and they want to spend that quality family time with their family, right? And this is, you know, one of the many options that they have, you know, I, I described many of them, but this is just uh, some of the things that we're starting to see now, because, um, you know, may, maybe you could say that the, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I think it's really helped a lot of people get perspective and change their way of thinking when it comes to that typical nine to five job. Yeah. And, you know, as, as a person that, uh, and I described this in my book, The Entrepreneur's Journey, The he Hero's Journey. Uh, your guide to the entrepreneur's quest. Uh, I've been laid off or fired four times. And so when the decision came, do I uh, go and become an employee again <laughs> or and and take that you know Russian roulette one more time? or do I you know become an entrepreneur? You know it was an easy decision for me to become an entrepreneur. And I think that you're right, the pandemic really opened people's eyes to just how fragile being an employee is. And and taking those side hustles to be their full hustle, full time hustle, um, opened the, opened the door to all kinds of investment and just new ideas on how to do things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for me, like I I started investing in real estate probably at my uh, seventeen and a half year mark in the Navy, right? And I had just come out here to Hawaii, and I knew, um, you know, well, you know, I got to finish up this tour, and that'll put me at nineteen years. So I was like, well, I know I'm going to retire, right? I'm going to do at least twenty. If I would have started investing in real estate younger uh, during my time in the Navy, I probably wouldn't have made it to 20 years because uh, it's just something that, you know, I, I found myself getting drawn further away from wanting to do my my typical nine to five in the Navy uh, versus, you know, having the passion for what I'm doing right now on the outside and and that's in real estate and and helping other people with investing or with uh you know with finding properties you know as a as a real estate agent or even as an investor like I do uh right now with with my own uh, in multifamily properties um I absolutely enjoy it so much 
And it's not so much about the the making money. I mean, that's that's nice. Making money is nice, but it's it's about that freedom that I have that I can do what I want as long as I'm putting food on the table and taking care of my family um, and doing something that I genuinely enjoy. Now, I enjoyed my time in the Navy. I absolutely love the Navy. I wouldn't have stayed for 20 years if I didn't enjoy my time in the Navy. Right. However, it was it was one of those. Uh, you know, it gets to the point where you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. I like to change things up. And that's one of the beneficial things that I've had about the Navy is, you know, I always went to a new job pretty much every three years, but it was still the same kind of monotonous uh, tasks and same things that I was seeing at my previous job, right? Okay. Where now, um, you know, I, I get to choose what I want to do. If it's something that I don't feel is satisfying or self, you know, I don't get any type of self-gratification out of it, or it's something I just don't enjoy, well, I'm not going to do it because I don't have to. I've built up enough passive income now where uh, I don't have to chase money. I don't have to chase a job. Um, so that's, I, I think it's more of that, that freedom aspect. And I think that's what a lot of younger people are after nowadays, because you see a lot of people that are younger and younger and younger going out and trying to do these, uh, you know, just being entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses or investing in real estate or investing in crypto or the stock market. Now, you know, crypto was a big hit, right? There was a big, craze for that and yeah. now a lot of a lot of that is uh not going so well right. but but you know it's it's still it, it got people thinking outside of the box and i think right. that was one of the the beneficial things uh with the crypto market as well so at least and to the younger like, generation it was appealing something different right and just like any investment it's going to have its its highs and lows until it it, it levels out more uh as more as more people understand it and more people use it I'm not a big fan of crypto as a financial advisor. I can't tell people, I can't recommend it because it's just way out outside of the um, volatility range that I'm, I'm comfortable recommending to clients. But, um, you know, when I talk to people about uh, investing in their, their financial um, life, a lot of advisors focus on retirement. And I really hate that. Uh, not not to, to diss any financial advisors or the retirement planning, it's necessary. Uh, but I like to talk about, you know, wealth management and wealth planning and uh, creating that legacy, uh, not just about, you know, my current needs and what, you know, retirement is really self-focused. It's self, I don't want us to be derogatory and say self-centered, but Honestly, it's it's thinking about what I need for my life for the for the remainder of my life. Whereas a legacy planning and wealth planning, that's that's thinking of others, that's thinking of the next generation. Um, the next generation, you know, my kids, my adult kids, they're uh, I've got a kid that's uh, it's still in elementary, and then I've got a 19 year old, a 22 year old, and a 24 year old. So there's a big gap in between the third, but my adult kids, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in life. And, and just like you talked about, it's important to me that they focus on what matters. I think that's a quote from uh, Chad Carson, another real estate podcaster, but uh, just focus on, on what's important to them. Um, you know, and I think real estate does that real estate allows you to uh, have that cash flow to meet your needs and then you, your job is what you want. It's what you want to do, not something that you have to do. Um, and, you know, what do you think about uh, our current education system and how, um, you know, most 
college or, or not college, but high school students and where uh, they're being pointed today. And, you know, uh, what do you think about that? I, I mean, you went to the Navy, which is not where people, you know, uh, most high school counselors don't, don't point people to the military. Yeah, that's a great question, Brandon. Uh, you know, for for me, uh, I think our education system, especially when it comes to financial literacy, is extremely flawed. Uh, you know, you'll take one economics class in high school, maybe if that <clears throat> it's an elective for one, um, and, and for two, it, it it doesn't even cover that much. I mean, they they talk about you'll maybe learn about um, you know the economy of other countries and maybe a little bit about the economy here in the states, but you don't you don't learn. Excuse me, I had to cough there. But you don't learn like basic economic principles. You don't learn basic financial literacy. They don't teach you how to write a check. They don't teach you how to pay bills. They don't teach you, you know, credit cards or compound interest or anything like that. They don't teach you how the compound interest on credit cards can work against you. They don't teach you how compound interest in investing can build your wealth, right? And you know, you you come out of high school thinking, okay, I'm going to go to either go to college or I'm going to get a job. And I'm going to start saving money. And what am I going to do with that money? Well, nobody's taught me anything different. So, oh, <clears throat> they have this thing called a savings account. That must be for saving money. So I'm going to put my money in this savings account. And the entire time that you're, quote unquote, saving that money, you're actually just losing that money. Because, I mean, look, look at the last inflation report we got at 9.1%, right? You're sitting here, you have your money in a, in a, a savings account that's getting like 0.25%. You know, you're losing 9% a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, the value of your dollars, right? Where if you were to invest that, uh, even something as simple as ETFs or index funds that are, you know, averaging between nine and, and 11% returns, right? Um, at least you are now hedging against that inflation, right? right. And that that is the biggest thing is you, you got to find ways. We got to teach the youth how to hedge against inflation and build their wealth instead of just trying to save and stay out of debt. I mean, yes, staying out of debt is a big part of that. But you can't make that D word sound so scary. Um, you know, perfect example, you know, Dave Ramsey and what he teaches, um, he teaches absolutely fantastic principles. Um, and they're great principles for somebody that's getting out of debt, but they're also great principles for somebody that wants to stay broke. Okay. <laughs> because you're going to, you know, you're going to, yeah, sure, you'll stay out of debt, but you're never going to make money. Uh, you're never going to employ your dollars to work for you. You're always going to be working for dollars, right? Until you get to the point when you retire and you might not even have enough to do that. So, you know, don't be scared of the D word, the big debt word, right? right? You know, use it to your advantage. Use debt arbitrage. There's so many different things you can do. I use debt as a way to build more wealth. I have a HELOC on my primary residence and I use that money from the HELOC to invest in other real estate assets. And then I take the money that those assets are paying me and I pay down the HELOC with it. You know, it's it's just, it's arbitrage. It's arbitrage of the debt. I don't wanna pay down my house early. Like I'm gonna pay it down a bit. I'm gonna chunk it down with my mortgage, but I'm not gonna completely pay it off. I just wanna increase that line of credit that I have to increase my liquidity, right? So I can go out and when a good deal pops up, I could just be like, boom, I've got the cash or I've got the down payment or whatever it is that I need. That's that's my goal. That's my focus with what I'm doing right now with uh, Velocity Banking. I'm not sure, you know, we don't have to go into all that, but it's just one of the things that I do uh, personally to, to, to leverage my debt, right? And um, 
you know, I, I think uh, th that's the piece that's the missing link that we have when it comes to financial literacy and financial education for our youth. And it's one of the reasons why I started my podcast as well. Yeah. Um, I do have a younger audience uh, when I look at my demographics. I, I do also have, you know, um, uh, people my age, like my peers and, and some people a little bit older. Um, but at the same time, my focus is to make sure that I'm getting this information out there so people learn and they can apply these principles in their own life. So I'm not giving financial advice. I'm providing an educational tool for people to use for their own, you know, for their own benefit. And, uh, you know, take it as you will. But, you know, I, yes, uh, long story short, our financial education system is broken when it comes to schools. hundred uh, percent. And even even there, I mean, they 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 go the next step further and, and tell people you have to go to college to to have a, a good job. And so, um, you know, to me that that encourages debt because most of them can't afford it. And so they get the student loan, which is why we have this student loan crisis, because you have all these degrees that 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 are not marketable. You, 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 you know, somebody might get a communication degree, which they used to say, Hey, that that's the, the great degree where you can do anything. And, and of course, when everybody's doing that, then the market is flooded with communication degrees. And then, then they said, no, you need to have an IT degree. Well, then that the market becomes flooded with IT degrees. And so, you know, it, it is a uh, system that I think takes the, the thought process, the, the um, what what can I do really well? How can I be financially independent? And if if what can I if what I can do really well will pay the bills, how can I invest the excess for my future and for my for, for my family? And and that's the thing that's not getting talked about. Um, yeah, so, you know how we have required reading in school, you know, everybody's, you know, when you've gone through high school, everybody's read to kill a mockingbird, you know, there's, right. there's all those books that we all have to read, right? You know what books should become mandatory reading in, in rich, high school? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The, well, I was gonna say the richest man in Babylon, just to get the, yeah. the, uh, the, the basic principles of, you know, I, I keep 10% of, of, you know, 10% of everything I earn, I keep for myself, you know, one tenth of everything I earn. I keep for myself. And, and that's, and honestly, that's not even enough. But the thing is, that gives you that basic principle, like, oh, I, I do need to take some of this money and keep it for myself. <laughs> because, you know, certainly the tax man is going to come take their portion as well. Yeah. Right. So if you're not taking something to invest in something, don't worry, the US government will take some from you and invest it for you in, into yeah. stuff that you're not even going to use. Right. So you know, um, you're talking about Dave Ramsey and his, you know, I, I always believe just like you, that, that debt's a tool. And uh, the reason Dave is the way he is, is because he was investing in real estate, 80% loan to value constantly. The market dipped a bit. He lost his lunch. Right. And so he, he went, went through bankruptcy and that, that affects a person. And if you look at most of the people that, that, that are following Dave, those are those are people who have debt problems. Those are the ones who do not know how to use the tools properly. And so that was me when I first started. Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, I, I was in a bad spot. And, um, you know, I had twenty eight thousand dollars in credit card debt and I had multiple personal loans and we had to figure out a way to, 
beat that. So I started following Dave Ramsey's baby steps and I did that and got out of debt and it was great. And then I said, well, now I got to do something different because I do want to go buy a home, but I'm not going to save up, you know, all right. this cash to go buy a home, especially when I knew I was moving to Hawaii and the average household price out here is a million dollars. I was like, well, that'll never happen. Right. But, you know, I look at, so, you know, you gave a great example, like with what happened with Dave uh, Ramsey back in the eighties, you know, he was, he was taking these loans out. They were 90 day loans, right. That he was always getting extended and extended and extended. Well, guess what? The market shifted and the, the lenders started saying, we're not going to let you take the extension on uh, anymore. Your loan is due. It, it is, you need to pay. And that's how he wound up going bankrupt. Now we don't have those kind of lending practices anymore. Right. So I think people need to look at this practically. Okay. From that type of perspective, right. what happened to him back then, what happened in 2008, that is not the stuff that can happen right now. Uh, you know, th this is one part where the federal government actually did something right. And they, they came in there and made these regulations for some of these uh, for mortgages. Right. So when you get a federal backed mortgage, you, you've got this protection, right? You've got this uh, this this backing. Now, if you go out and take out a loan that you can't afford yourself and you can't pay it, that's on you, right? But you don't have lenders just willy-nilly saying, oh, you said yeah. you make this much? Cool, yeah, I believe no, you. No more check. no documents. Everything is, right. is going to be very You need to prove yeah. what your income is. You need to prove your debt-to-income ratio. They're actually going to look at your credit score Right. Okay. So all that stuff, I mean, I, you know, I, I went through this when I bought my first property. I, I don't know if you saw, I'm not sure if I uh, sent that to you, but like, um, you know, back in 2007, I bought my first home. So 2007, just think about that date for a second. Okay. What happened the very next year? Right. Boom. You know, I, I had to short some, I had to short sell that home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that, that it was a home I couldn't afford, but the value of the property dropped uh, 60%, right? Something like that. I mean, I uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, about that. I, I don't know. It was it was 250,000 I paid for it and I sold it for 157. It was painful. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's the things like that that, you know, there's protections against that now. Um, I don't I don't see the economy getting to the point where we're gonna completely tank the real estate market. Yeah, you'll probably see dips and stuff in certain markets, but I don't see another 2008 coming. Yeah, and, and each individual is responsible for how they use debt, and that's the thing: is that it it can be. It's so easy to get credit cards. It's so easy to get these lines of credit, um, but you've got to have standards. You've got to have some. You know, uh, just because the bank says that you can afford something doesn't mean that you should you should buy in that range. You've got to you got to look at what you really can afford and. Uh, setting up budgets and 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 having that kind of that fiscal discipline is is necessary. Um, I, you know, for young people, uh, I know budgeting and discipline is 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 like curse words. But um, I was just going to say, you know, they they hate that B word too. <laughs> but and that other D word, discipline. Yeah. Besides debt, the other D word that people hate is discipline. Yeah, and then and the thing is, is that, and I say it in my book, is that discipline brings freedom. It doesn't bring uh, bondage. It's like when I was in college and I had every minute of every day was scheduled. And I, I was it was on purpose because when I did it that way, that means when I was with my kids and my family, I could be totally with them. I wasn't worried about my homework. I wasn't worried about my, uh, by the way, I had two kids when I was in college. <laughs> I don't recommend that, but you know, that's what I did. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, 
Yeah, that discipline of that time management discipline gave me freedom. It, it allowed me to sleep at night because I, I knew that I had a lot of times for the things that were important and um, and kept to that so that I had that freedom and that that peace when I went to sleep at night and when I was with my family. Um, but yeah, uh, debt and you, the use of debt, it is a tool, just like any tool, it can be used to harm you or it can be used to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that you said too about, you know, uh, the younger generation not liking that B word, right? Budget. Um, I, I tend to focus like when I'm working with, because uh, I also do financial coaching, right? And when I'm working with somebody that's a little bit younger, I don't tell them like, let's make a budget. I say, let's make a spending plan, right? I kind of change it up a bit because uh, it, it sounds, it, it, it just sounds more um, friendly. It, it's, 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 yeah, it sounds more friendly, but it sounds like less less disciplinary, right? Less like, oh, I'll need less discipline for this because it's my spending plan. It's not a budget. It's my spending plan. So it's, yeah, I I tend to try to play on words when it comes to certain things like that, because it's the discipline piece is a mental thing. It's a mental roadblock that people put in there. And I think, you know, what I try to focus on is changing people's relationship with their money and how they treat their money, right? Because if, if you treat it like, oh, like this is a budget and I have to have this fiscal responsibility. You're like, oh man, after a while, you're just like, I'm getting burnt out. I'm tired of this. Uh, Where I focus, yeah, where I focus more on the spending plan and then celebrate when you have a win. Yeah, go go splurge a little bit and go out to dinner and enjoy yourself and celebrate that you paid off this credit card or that you were able to save up to invest in this product, right? Go celebrate those small wins because that's one of the things that's going to keep you motivated to keep going, you know? Yeah, I gave a. I used to give a, a talk at our college every every other year or so. They would invite me to to speak on budgeting, and you know, we we talk about the D word, and um, you know, I did. I told them, I said, well, anytime you build a, a budget, if you don't put those uh, victories in there, if you don't if you don't have those rewards in place, it's just going to make it that much harder to complete. Uh, if you if you save this amount of money, yeah, go spend fifty bucks to celebrate that, go to, go to a nice restaurant, whatever. At that time, it was, it was 50 bucks to go to a nice restaurant. Now it's probably double that, but, um, you know, that reward process and, and, you know, what works for me is, is, is the scare, the self-imposed scarcity method, um, where we take money out of our accounts and, and hide them in other accounts to where when I see the when I see the checking account or I see my my uh, overall accounts, um, you know, it makes it causes me to pull back. I pull back my spending. It's a it's a natural phenomenon that you do that. And then, you know, when you see it, when you see a, a, a surplus in there, you tend to I'm just I can splurge. I can afford it. Right. And so for me, I think one of the things that will help in a budget is where you take it to where. And I made it really tough on myself. I I had it drafted from my accounts to a bank that I don't use, that I don't have a checking account with, that in order to to make a withdrawal, I had to actually go there, drive there and withdraw the money. They wanted to give me a debit card. I said, no, I want it to hurt. (laughs) I wanted to to think about it on the way there. I wanted to think about it when I was right now with the withdrawal slip. And I wanted to think about it as I was handing it and talking to somebody because I, I, I wanted those savings to be your savings. And not that, that was three chances to change your mind right that's, there. That's right. 
That's right. I built that into my my budgeting system. No, that's great. So I did. Um, so we we my wife and I before before we started doing velocity banking, we were doing sinking funds where. You know, as soon as we got paid, we would take that paycheck and just split it into multiple accounts. We had seven, like like seven different accounts, uh, you know, like a pet vet account, mm-hmm. the car maintenance and gas account, uh, the the home expenses account, um, and then the bills account. And then, of course, our investments as well. And, you know, the first thing we would do is when we got paid was we would immediately invest the portion that we wanted to invest. Then we would split the money into the other accounts and then if there was any debts, we would pay those debts. Uh, and then whatever was left over in that checking account, that is what we had, you know, if we wanted to go out or whatever. But all those other accounts had to get paid first. Right. So, uh, and that's what we were doing and it, and it worked. But now, now my my house is essentially my banking account is my checking account. And I just take all of my pay, everything that I'm making, and I dump it into my my HELOC. And then I, uh, you know, whatever we need to spend or, or whatever bills we got to pay, we just pay for it out of the HELOC and just keep chunking it down yeah whatever works for you. i mean that that that's a that's a relatively you know uh simple system and i think that the the more simple the system that the people use the, the more likely they're going to to actually take it on and, and focus um you know um aside from our young people not having you know education in, in high school um, what about colleges? I mean, what are they doing to, to teach financial literacy? I mean, do they even have any, do they feel like that they're, they're, there's any responsibility on their part? I don't see it. I don't see, you know, even in accounting and business classes, I don't see any personal finance requirements. And, and I, I took, I was an accounting major. And, and so I, I never saw, I did take a personal finance class. I don't know how helpful it was. It was more of like uh, if I would advise somebody else or something, you know, but it wasn't really, I had nothing to do with uh, financial independence or building wealth. Yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of, um, you know, another aspect of, you know, if, if you want to le- learn about finances in college, you have to major in finances in college, right? But even then, it's not about your personal finances. It's about learning, you know, basic economics and and helping other people with their finances, right? But when it comes to like the basic things that we should understand as adults, you know, there really isn't anything that covers that. And honestly, there should be some type of 101 course, no matter what, as soon as you're a freshman in college, that it's part of the indoctrination process when you go to college that, you know, the first couple uh, you know, uh, as, as, or the orientation, right? Yeah. There should be something during the orientation where they say, okay, this is your tuition. This is how much it's going to cost. And if you pay for it with a loan, this is how much it's going to cost over the next 20 years. If you pay for it in cash, this is how much it'll cost now, right? You know, just, just something that's going to show them the, either the detriment of taking out the loan for it or paying yeah. for it up front. Or they say, Hey, if you were to pay for your college and then take what, you know, whatever's left over and put that in this account, this is how much you can have, you know, in the next 20 years or, but then, you know, I, I think they would probably scare a lot of people off because they'd be <laughs> like, oh my goodness, right. um, why am I wasting this money on these courses that uh, I don't think underwater basket weaving is going to really get me anything when I graduate. So, um, you, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that's a give or take, you know, well, and uh, we the, know that it's not there. So well, a lot of those schools are in, in it to make the money, right? right. They, they don't, care if their students learn how to so, pay properly so what should what should young people do right now to get this financial education 
that they need? What what are some things that they can do right now? They should listen to podcasts like yours and mine, uh, for one. Uh, you know, but honestly, you have to go out and find and seek the information because it's not going to be handed to you. Um, I would say even, you know, maybe go to a local real estate meetup and see what some of those folks are doing. Uh, if there's a local business association in your area, go to one of their meetings and see what some of the entrepreneurs there are talking about and how they've built their wealth. You'll see a lot of those folks just graduated high school, didn't even go to college, right? Uh, you know, for me, I never even finished my degree. I have like 170 something credits. I never finished a, a degree. I could take three particular classes in almost any topic and get a degree in that topic pretty much. I mean, that's how many classes I've taken. Uh, <laughs> but that was one of the advantages I've had while being in the Navy is I, I never had to finish a degree, uh, but I was able to go to college a lot and have it right. paid for. I actually did hit a point where they said, yeah, we're not going to pay for your school anymore because you have too many credits. You should have had a bachelor's degree, you know, like 20 classes ago. Right. So, um, sorry, <laughs> but I, I, I kind of van wilded it, you know, because yeah. I could, but, um, you know, it, you have to go out there and seek this knowledge. Again, no one's going to just randomly walk up to you and say, you know, let me teach you the ways of financial independence. It's, it's, yeah. you're not going to find a, like a monk on the street that's going to walk up to you and enlighten you. Yeah. You have to go out there and seek that enlightenment yourself. And one of the ways you could do that is, is go out, go to the library and get some of these books. If you have to, a lot of these books are in the library. Um, you know, go, go seek out a mentor or a coach. Uh, you know, I, as a real estate agent, I have a coach because I feel like it's important that I have somebody that holds me accountable and teaches me the things that I need to know that, that I might not know about the, the job that I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. Uh, but when it came to financial literacy, you know, I took classes, I read books, I, you know, absorbed a lot of content online. There's, there's so many, there's so many sources, YouTube so videos, podcasts. I mean, when I was commuting to work, the only thing I would listen to in my car was a podcast. And it was either about investing or something business or financially independence related. Yeah. So I, I tell people become a content sponge, just consume, 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 learn. Um, it's actually one of the things that I have. Uh, I have these four pillars to building wealth, right? And the, the first one is education. Yeah. The second one is mentorship and coaching, right? Find somebody that's going to hold you accountable. The third one is networking and building relationships. You know, they say if you hang out with five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth one, right? right? Surround yourself with the people that you want to be like, okay? And then the fourth one is take action because those first three will mean nothing if yeah. you don't actually take action on it. Yeah, in my book on the real estate investing, I have a story about talking to my my first mentor who is the Indiana Jones of mission work for our church. And um, uh, Pastor Daryl, he was also a real estate agent and investor. And after about two or three years of, of asking questions, he, he turned to me and said, Brandon, at one point, you're going to have to pull the trigger. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just, uh, yeah. you know, this uh, paralysis of analysis that was happening with me, you know, because I was getting the information, getting the information, but I wasn't doing anything with it. And, and you know, he did eventually help me buy my first uh, couple of properties and, uh, you know, went to uh, over a hundred at, at one point and, and uh, just been uh, going and blowing ever since. I, I've actually uh, eased back on my, my real estate purchasing, um, focusing on my entrepreneur uh, heart and, and uh, the couple of businesses that I'm running. And I really have enjoyed that as well. But, um, you know, <clears throat> you're saying something about um, the, 
networking as being one of the the key pillars. Uh, tell me about how important networking is for a, a, an entrepreneur, for a real estate investor, for a young person wanting to to grow. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a great question, Brandon. Uh, you know, networking, at least to me, is probably the most important one because you know when you go out and you put yourself out there and you meet other people, you find out the things that they're doing. Um, you find out the things that maybe you shouldn't do, right? Because you learn from other people's mistakes. Um, so you can go to real estate meetups, you can go to conferences, right? Just get out there and talk to people, ask them questions, say, hey, I'm brand new. I want to get started. What are some things that, you know, that you've done over your career investing in real estate or investing in the stock market or whatever, whatever type of conference you're at, right? Whatever, whatever flavor you enjoy the most, right? Stick with what you're going to enjoy, right? But talk to the people that are in that same boat that have been doing this for a while and kind of find out what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And then at the same time, find somebody that's newer, that's maybe been doing it for one or two years and find out what they've been doing. Because the person that you're talking to that, that started investing in real estate 20 years ago, things were way different 20 years ago than what than the way they are today. There was different loan programs. There was different uh, methods of lending. There was different ways to get private money, right? Versus what we have today. Uh, you know, people weren't talking about real estate syndications 20 years ago. It was, wasn't really a, a thing that people really knew too much about. Now it's all over the place, right? So if that's something you want to get involved in, you know, talk to somebody that's, you know, there, there are some seasoned people out there that have been doing it for eight, nine, 10 years, but then there's also people that started maybe one or two years ago, talk to them, see how they got started, right? Because you want to understand what some of these current programs are. Again, it, that kind of goes back to the education piece, right? right? So you can kind of mix the two of those together. You can learn from those people in your network. And I know it's kind of a cliche saying it's very cheesy, but everybody says it because it's true, but your network is your net worth, Right. And but it's it's more than just networking, and and the this is the the important part that I think young people need to understand too. When you go out to these meetups and these conferences, it's not just about oh well I know so and so and I'm getting to know these people and blah blah blah. But you want to build relationships, and that's why I say networking slash relationships because the relationship piece you want to start having these friendships. You don't want to just go out there and have like this. You know, I know so many people, I have so many people in my network because I talk to them at this conference. Well, just because you talk to somebody doesn't mean you know them, you know, follow up with people. You right. meet people at a conference, follow up with them, uh, you know, a month later, say, hey, how you doing? Uh, how have things been going since the last time we talked? What are you working on? Any kind of projects that makes them remember you, right? Yeah. And you start having these conversations and they'll say, hey, well, what are you working on? Oh, well, I'm not, you know, I've, I've been looking, I haven't found anything. Well, hey, I got a deal coming up. You want to partner up? Right. So there's there's little things like that. You'll find when you build a relationship that's a little bit different than just going out and just doing your typical networking thing. Right. So yeah. get out there and build relationships. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the partnerships opportunities uh, with networking, I think a lot more people are open to that. When when my wife and I started, uh, we really felt like we were on our own. Um, we had a couple of mentors and, and a realtor that was for us. Uh, but as far as other people in the, in the community, uh, we just didn't know anybody and, and certainly didn't, uh, didn't have the resources to, to get any other partnerships. But today there's just no excuse. You have Facebook, you've got 
uh, bigger pockets. You've got uh, these uh, conferences like um, Limitless and RootCon and uh, what was the one that was coming up? FinCon, you know. Oh, you got BPCon coming up too. You got FinCon right. coming up next month. And uh, I mean, that's where, that's where we met at, uh, at, at uh, RootCon, yeah. you know? Um, so, and, and, you know, to the, you know, we kept in touch and we're still talking and here we are doing a podcast interview together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's little things like this. I still have your notebook. I, I don't have it here <laughs> on my desk, but actually the last conference I went to, um, I, I still had my little BKM uh, right. notebook that I pulled out because I was like, oh, here's the stuff I had from RubeCon. And then I was like, okay, I'm at the Hawaii Millionaire Mindset Conference. So I made a new section and I was continuing to use that notebook as I was taking notes there. Um, you run out, so, we got more. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But that that's that's huge, right? That's that's one of the, the great things about going to these conferences and these meetups. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm starting my first in-person meetup for Average Joe Finances out here in Hawaii starting next month. Um, and I just posted great. about it yesterday and I've already got 11 people signed up. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I, I think it's it's helpful because you you get to meet and understand what people are doing, but you also build these relationships. So Yeah, I was at a conference just this last weekend in California. That's uh, It was a financial services conference with my broker-dealer. It was of all the top producers of our broker dealer. And, you know, I'd met a couple of them before, but I'd really got to hanging out with four or five of them. And after the conference is over, I was like, you know what? I don't want that to stop. Um, I emailed them and I said, hey, how about we get together on Zoom, you know, in, in September, the first week of September, and we start doing this every month. And they're like, I'm in, I'll do it. It's like, these are the top guys and girls of, of our women, of our uh, financial services industry. And they're in Minnesota, in Chicago, in California. Um, I'm going to get some really good information and from them, and they're going to receive from me. Um, and I just, it's, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. And I, it, if I had been my yes, it's normal like a mini mastermind. If I had been my normal introverted self, that wouldn't have happened. I had to go beyond myself to make it happen. You know, Brandon, I was going to ask you if you were an introvert um, <laughs> because when you when you were talking about when you first started, like that's some, uh, originally what I was thinking. I was like, I think he might be an introvert, you know. And when you first started, and how you felt like you were kind of alone in that, and uh, you know, the thing is, the the beautiful thing about networking is that you can still do this as an introvert. So there's a lot of people that, that are introverts that have this limiting belief that, oh, I, I can't go out there and talk to people and this and that. Listen, I don't care if you're an introvert, an extrovert or whatever. If this is something you're passionate about and it's something that you enjoy, you will enjoy talking about it with other people. It might feel a little forced at first, but you know, some of uh, the biggest names in real estate, I mean, look at Brandon Turner as an example from bigger, uh, from when he was at bigger pockets, he, he talked about it all the time, how he was such an introvert. Yeah. He does not like going out and meeting and talking to people, but he found that, you know, with his passion in real estate investing and going out and being able to, you know, talk to other people that have the same views and same passion as him, that other stuff kind of goes out the window and it makes yeah. it a little bit easier to have those conversations. So, uh, and I tell people all the time too, like, if you're an introvert, it's okay go to one of these meetups, even if you're just sitting there in the corner, somebody will approach you and start having a conversation with you. It's going to be hard to ignore, right? So um, just just do it. Get out there and meet people. 
What what I do for myself is I, I make goals. I, I love I, I'm a, a goal person, and so anytime I go to a conference, I say I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you know five people. I'm gonna talk to five people, and sometimes that's really hard because I, I'm you know I like to listen more than I like to speak, and which doing this podcast makes it really tough. But you know these these kinds of you know the conferences where I'm actually going and, and talking to people that are passionate about the same things that I'm passionate about, it's easier to get into conversations with them. And I think with uh, young people and, and other people listening to the podcast, if you are passionate about this area, uh, you're going to find like-minded people that you can have conversations with. Uh, even if you start the conversation with an email, that at least begins the conversation. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a face-to-face -face or anything like that. It could be email, it could be text messages, you could hop on a Zoom call. I mean, this is one of the beautiful things that we have right now with technology. I mean, I was interviewing somebody the other day and they, they were on the East Coast and they even said that too. They were like, you know, if we didn't have what we have today, you know, we have such an advantage that we have to take it. You know, oh, yeah. we have this these opportunities that we have to take advantage of because, you know, he even said, he's like, you know, you and I probably would have never had a conversation ever because I'm in New Jersey and you're in Hawaii, right? So when, when you look at that, it's, you know, it, it's, it's amazing because now we have these platforms where, you know, I, I have a podcast where I'm able to reach out to so many people and, and, and get, you know, so many people to actually hear not only me, but the people that I bring on the show sharing what they're doing, right? You have the same thing. You have that impact where you're putting out this content that so many people get to listen to. And, you know, you get, and they're all over. They're all over yeah, the United right, States. Right now there's in other countries. Right, right now there's tens of people <laughs> listening to my podcast. And that's okay. You know, think about 10 people in a room. That's, right? I know. I know. I, you know? If, and if my helps. podcast started that well, way too. I, I remember like my first six months of podcasting, I was getting maybe 20 to 40 downloads per episode. And I'm like, man, nobody's listening to my show. And then I sat and I thought about it for a second. I was like, well, 20 to 40 people in a room is a full classroom. Right. You know, I started changing my perspective on how I was thinking about it. And then I started outsourcing some things and getting better at my social media marketing, everything. And next thing yeah. you know, boom, I'm at 12,000 downloads a month right now. That's so, yeah. And, Congratulations. But the thing is, That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. But it's it's the fact of, you know, I, I didn't give up on it and I kept pushing and I kept going. And uh, that's one of the I think things the content's that content's worth it. I think the content. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, if you build it. They will come. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Well, Mike, it's been great talking to you. And we look forward to the next time we see each other in person. We've already signed up for the RubeCon next year. Uh, I plan to go to the BPCon. I'm not sure I'll make it to the FinCon, but um, we didn't we didn't sign up early enough to get an exhibitor table. So yeah, that's all right. But FinCon, I, I was originally planning to go, but that is out now because uh, my in-laws are in town uh, yeah. and they are here and pretty much until then. Um, I'm I'm still on the fence of whether or not I can go to BPCon or not. Uh, things are kind of weird because I'm not really supposed to travel off island while I'm doing this SkillBridge uh, program. Yeah. So I might not be able to make that, but I am going to RubeCon again next year. I'm going to be speaking again. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Had a good conversation with Dustin. I mean, I thought for, for a first conference last year, I thought it was amazing. The, yeah, the turnout yeah, was exactly. great. The people that were there were very engaged. 
Um, I absolutely enjoyed myself. So, and I got to meet awesome people like you, uh, which gives this opportunity for us to have this conversation. So it's a man, get out there and go to these conferences and meet people. That's right. I'm going to leave it at that. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, that's us up. So man, it's uh, if you didn't get something out of that, you must not be breathing, you know, check your, check your nostrils on a mirror or something. But uh, this is uh, coaching for profit where we believe that uh, profit is your potential minus your barriers. Uh, again, thanks for being here, Mike. Love having you. Yeah, thank you so much, Brandon, for for bringing me on your show.